0: Hello, all, and welcome yet to another episode of the Nailed It Ortho podcast. My name is Dr. Cole. Myself and Dr. Fitz started this podcast to go over high yield orthopedic surgery topics. But you are now tuned into our OITE review, and you are now tuned into our basic science review. And we hope you all have been enjoying this. Please share this with one other colleague or a friend. And without further ado, let's go ahead and get into today's episode.
1: You are now listening
0: to Nailed It, the Orthopedic Surgery Podcast, featuring Doctors Jay Fitz and Wendell Cole. Um, and, and since we are on calcium, uh, this is a question that I've seen asked before. And this, I, I always have to like look at this a couple of times to remember the actual numbers. But what is the dietary requirement of calcium?
1: Uh, these these number questions and depending on the age of the patients and all of that is, uh definitely adds to the confusion and I don't know of yeah. anybody who, who strictly follows these, these numbers. Um, one, because of patient uh, actual compliance with it, um, but two, it's just oh wait, are you, if you're 10 to 25 years old or if you're above 50 or if you're this or if you're that um, but for test day and test taking purposes for adolescents and young adults, 1300 milligrams per day. For those older than 50, there's a range of 1200 to 1500. And I think the the one that's important, and I think the one that they're probably going to test you on more than others is the postmenopausal women should be on 1500 a day or more. Um, And also patients who are healing uh, fractures of long bones, you want to increase their vitamin D intake, and you want to increase their calcium intake just because they're trying to heal uh, a fracture. But um, I think you're safe to just know that postmenopausal women uh, should be on 1500 milligrams per day. And anyone over the age of 50 should also be on 1,500 uh, milligrams per day. Um, we briefly went over this, but what are the cells that synthesize PTH, and what's the synthetic form of PTH?
0: Yes, so PTH is going to be the cells <clears throat> of the parathyroid glands, and uh, this these are going to increase calcium, uh, again, by causing that resorption uh, or increase in your osteoclast activity, and these are going to decrease phosphate. And remember, we spoke about the opposite, um, which we talked about calcitonin being secreted by the, by the parafollicular cells of the thyroid. So PTH is going to be the chief cells of the parathyroid and um, calcitonin is going to be the parafollicular cells of the thyroid. And um, the synthetic form of PTH is called, um, is called tera, terapartheid. So that is. The name, I don't know if they'll ask. No, no, they'll definitely ask that. And that'll be a a question or an answer choice. The leaders say like recombinant PTH or uh, terapartide. So just know both of those are interchangeable. Um, And I just said it, but we will again, we will hammer this in. So, if you get these questions, we hopefully that you that uh, you get them right, or if anybody asks you for some reason, we hope that you get them right. Or I don't know, for whatever reason, it's just good knowledge to know. Uh, what cells synthesize calcitonin, and what
1: does it do? Uh, the parafollicular cells of the thyroid synthesize calcitonin, and it's going to decrease serum calcium <clears throat> by inhibiting osteoclast bone resorption. Uh, decreasing osteoclast number and uh, their overall uh, activity. So um, calcitonin tones down serum calcium uh, levels while as PTH increases serum calcium levels. Uh, And then more parts of the uh, calcium vitamin D pathway. Uh, What is the active form of vitamin D?
0: Yes, this is gonna be one twenty-five. So one twenty-five. I know you. In order for it to work, you need number one, one twenty-five. This is gonna be the active form of vitamin D three, and this is gonna work at your kidneys, your intestines, and in the bones. And we talked about a little bit earlier that the uh, that our osteoblasts have those receptors for one twenty-five vitamin D which is going to increase that alkaline phosphatase as well as a lot of the other bone matrix protein. So, uh, uh boys and girls drink your milk, uh, get your vitamin D, go outside, whatever we <laughs> need to do, uh, make sure you are, um, uh, have those vitamin D levels up. A lot of us are vitamin D deficient, uh, especially if we're all work inside all day and don't get any sun. Uh, but 25, I mean, 24, 25 is going to be the inactive form of vitamin D. Now, We said the deactive form is 125. All these are like different just versions of 25. But um, what is the preferred laboratory study to examine vitamin D deficiency?
1: That will be just 25 vitamin D. So it hasn't uh, been hydroxylated at the one position yet by the kidneys, but it has been by the liver. Um, It's the longer acting form of it. 125 vitamin D is relatively, has a relatively short half-life. Um, and so monitoring that, um, is not useful. And also, uh, not a lot of labs actually have it, um, have the ability to test for 125 vitamin D. So, uh, not only does it last a little bit longer, but it's also just easier for the lab to run 25 vitamin D and, uh, the uh obviously as we're going through all this pth calcitonin vitamin d calcium uh, biology or biochemistry um i guess we can start talking about some of these uh, medical conditions that kind of affect this entire pathway and one of those is primary hyperparathyroidism and so what what sort of Uh, lab values will you see in a patient with primary hyperparathyroidism?
0: Yeah. So for these, if you just think about what parathyroid does, it's that just on steroids, right? Um, So if, when you have parathyroid, it increases your, your goal is to increase calcium in the blood. So if you have primary hyperparathyroidism, you'll have an, an increase in the serum calcium, you will have an increase in parathyroid hormone, and then you'll have an, uh, an increase in the urinary phosphate because you're trying to increase calcium and you're excreting phosphate. So you'll have increase in the urinary phosphate, but a decrease in the serum phosphate. So in the blood, when you draw the blood, they'll have increased calcium, increased parathyroid hormone levels and increased, I'm sorry, and decreased phosphate. They'll have increased phosphate if you check their urine. Now, what bony change is going to be seen in primary hyperparathyroidism? Uh,
1: these are going to be things like uh, osteitis fibrosis sciatica, which is uh, the marrow gets replaced by fibrous tissue uh, you can see things called brown tumors, um, which are uh, basically this The hyperparathyroidism um, stimulates all of the osteoclasts. And so you're going to see these brown tumors in the bones or uh, these kind of giant cell-laden the hemocytorin staining, uh, fibrous tissue, uh, benign lesions in the bones, and then chondrocalcinosis. Uh, because of all of this uh, serum calcium, uh, the calcium has to go somewhere and a place to deposit it for the body is within the uh, cartilage so you'll get chondrocalcinosis. Um, and then kind of on the flip side to it, uh, we see hypoparathyroidism, um, which I'm just going to go into uh, real quick and then we'll go into the uh, various forms of uh, rickets here but for hypoparathyroidism, you're going to see kind of the opposite. So decreased PTH, which is going to cause decreased serum calcium. It's going to cause a decrease in the production of the active form of vitamin D. It's going to cause a decrease in the actual absorption of any sort of vitamin D from the intestines. And that's when you get the kind of hypocalcemic uh, physical exam findings uh, such as I'm trying to recall these off the top of my head here, but you get like chopstick, sign, seizures, and tetany, Um, but uh, also like hair loss and some skin changes. So uh, hypo obviously means low, hyper means high. So uh, hyperparathyroidism, increased serum calcium, hypoparathyroidism, decreased serum serum calcium. Um, And now let's uh, get lost down the... uh, (laughs) rickets (laughs) Ricketts <laughs> rabbit hole here oh, are, I guess before, no, before we run into that i'm gonna have you talk to us a little bit about renal osteodystrophy because uh, it's a very uh, invigorating topic here
0: oh, oh yes it is but I, I don't know i try to think about this as if you just think what uh if your kidneys don't work what happens right so if your kidneys can't work you can't make vitamin d or you can't convert anything into the active form of vitamin d so you don't you have Um, um, low production of 125 vitamin D, and then you can't reabsorb your phosphate. So you have less phosphate excretion. Um, So what this is going to lead to, you know, low vitamin D levels is you can either have a high turnover bone uh, disease or a low turnover bone disease. So when you have high turnover bone disease in response to Uh, In response to these, you have increased parathyroid hormone, uh, which leads to secondary hyperparathyroidism, uh, because, you know, this is is likely not due to a thyroid adenoma, or I'm sorry, parathyroid adenoma. But again, this is due to the kidneys. And then you can have a low uh, bone turnover disease where you have normal PTH. Now this is literally just the uh, tipping on the iceberg. This, this goes into way more detail. Um, that is beyond the scope of, of this OIT review um, series. So if you want to learn a little bit more about renal osteodystrophy, um, you should check out some of those books and there's a lot of good medical knowledge out there on this. Uh, but, you know, just to the, kind of the high points, you just know you're not um, excreting phosphate. You're not making vitamin D. So you can have a high turnover bone state uh, where you have increased parathyroid hormone and secondary hyperparathyroidism. Now, now we can go down to this uh, to this rickets and osteomalacia um, rabbit hole. And then and then we'll probably, we can you know, we'll, we'll go down that and, and see where this leads us. Um, but what is just, I guess, kind of defining these different things. What is the difference between rickets and osteomalacia?
1: So uh, rickets really seen or diagnosed, at least in children, osteomalacia diagnosed more in adults. They definitely both are disorders of impaired mineralization. So they technically... Uh, lead to at least a similar end result of decreased mineralization of the bone. But rickets is where the true cartilage matrix is affected. And it's primarily at the zone of provisional calcification, which makes sense that if this is a disorder of mineralization, the first area of calcification at the physis is going to be the zone of provisional calcification, and that's going to be the targeted zone for rickets, whereas osteomalacia is, uh, again, a adult-diagnosed disorder, and it's really the bone matrix is affected and becomes weaker, and that can be seen in uh, patients who just they don't take in a lot of vitamin D, um, they, uh, don't take in enough calcium and they're not able to keep up with their normal bony turnover, uh, that, that occurs just throughout our life with the osteoblast and ox- osteoclast acting in concert with each other to just continually turn bone over and create a new skeleton, uh, however fast they do it. So, um, Rickets is kids and the cartilage matrix is affected. And that's also why you see the bowing uh, of the bones, whereas in osteomalacia, you don't see any bowing of the bones because the actual structure of the bone is still there. It's just not being continually uh, mineralized. And uh, what are some of the changes that we see in these uh, uh, kids with Rickets?
0: Yeah, just like you were just saying, so you have bone bowing and then you have cortical thickening. And then you also have increased physio width and, uh, and disorientation because we, again, we know that rickets um, affects the Carlos matrix and this affects the zone of hypertrophy. But in that zone, it's going to be that zone of provisional calcification because we know in the um, zone of hypertrophy, there's provisional there's calcification and maturation, uh, and 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 um, so we know that there are different zones within that zone of hypertrophy, but this is going to affect that zone of uh, provisional calcification. So you have increased physio width and disorientation, in the rickets, as well as bone bowing and cortical thinning. Now, with rickets, we know that this is just not one thing, and um, and that this can be caused by a couple of different things. But what are some of the different causes um, that can lead to rickets?
1: Yeah, and this is what makes rickets uh, the confusing topic that it is. Is uh, it's really it's not? I guess when you break it down, it is just as simple as of a disease as a lack of mineralization, but how you get to that lack of mineralization is what separates all of these different forms of rickets. So um, nutritional rickets is just true vitamin D deficiency. All of their uh, intestinal tract works, their enzymes work, their bone uh, like matrix production and actual ability to mineralize is completely normal. It's just that they're not supplied uh, with it. But then you have Ah, uh, calcium deficiency rickets, along with the vitamin D. Uh, you have phosphate deficiency rickets. You have hereditary vitamin D dependent rickets. You have familial hypophosphatemic rickets, which is kind of vitamin D resistant or phosphate, or considered to be phosphate diabetes. And I briefly went into a little bit of it. But what's the physiology and some of the lab and X-ray findings of those with uh, vitamin D deficient rickets?
0: Yeah. So when you have, uh, again, vitamin D deficient rickets, when you have a deficiency in vitamin D, you have decreased calcium. Uh, when you have decreased calcium, their blood centers or their, are uh, hormones that detect that and try to increase your parathyroid hormone in response to that decreased serum calcium, because it's trying to increase your serum calcium. And this results in decreased phosphate again, because parathyroid hormone, uh, works by increasing serum calcium while decreasing serum phosphate. Um, this leads to also another effect of increased parathyroid hormone is going to be increasing our osteoclast activity, uh, which is gonna increase our um, our alkaline uh, phosphatase. And on x-rays, uh, what you'll see is going to be um, uh, physio cupping on x-rays. So uh, if you just kind of think about what uh, you have this deficiency in vitamin D, you don't have as much calcium, and then you have parathyroid that is increased, and you have the osteoclasts that kind of go and start to resorb and, and send calcium into the blood and and, de- in, and break down these different um, uh, these different substances. You'll kind of have that increased um, alkaline phosphatase as well as the uh, increased serum calcium and decreased serum phosphate. And you'll see physio cupping. Uh, if you Google... Uh, physiocopying, it'll it'll make sense and you'll see that image uh, now what is familial hypophosphatemic rickets
1: uh, as the kind of name implies familial means that it's going to be an inherited mutation uh, it's hypophosphatemic meaning that they're going to have less phosphate and then rickets they're going to have a decreased ability to mineralize bones so if we break it down, we have an inherited mutation of the pHEX gene, uh, which is the familial portion. Uh, you have hypophosphatemic because the pHEX gene is what, when that is transcribed, it's going to help you absorb phosphate uh, when it's functioning normally. Um, and the difference with this is that you'll actually have a normal calcium. And the treatment for it is you actually have to supplement phosphate and vitamin D, but not necessarily calcium because they have a normal calcium level. And one thing I should point out um, is that this is, it's an inherited mutation and it's actually X-linked dominant. So it's sex-linked dominant inherited mutation of the P-hex gene with an inability to absorb or a decreased ability to absorb phosphate. So how you treat it is by giving uh, megadoses of phosphate to these kids plus vitamin D to help overcome their mutation in the pH gene. And uh, the, I think the last major form or the last two major form of rickets uh, outside of nutritional and familial hypophosphatemic uh, is hereditary vitamin D dependent rickets. What is that or, or what are the types of that?
0: Yeah, so this is, you know, this hereditary vitamin D-dependent rickets is going to be similar to nutritional rickets, but they may have worse symptoms. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, these, these patients will be bald or not have any hair. And you have type 1 and type 2 um, hereditary vitamin D-dependent rickets. Type 1 is, is you have um, no renal 25 um, uh, vitamin D. Um, so uh, you don't have that alpha, that one alpha hydroxylase, so you're not able to convert to active vitamin D, which we know is at 125. So, and this is an autosomal recessive disorder. So, type one, uh, we do not have the uh, the one alpha hydroxylase, which helps convert um, the inactive form to active vitamin D. And then, type two is that that works. So you you, you have your 125 active form of vitamin D, but there's a defect in the intracellular receptor. So um, that that is how it also leads to some of these same um, things of rickets. Again, we're kind of just going over just broadly uh, what rickets is. is There's a lot more um, detail and and things to learn about uh, rickets. If you want to, Um, you can read books. There's a lot Uh, there's a lot more details and things that you can, uh, learn about it. But again, there's a little bit of the scope, uh, beyond this podcast. And, um, I think, I think for today, this may be a good place to stop. And then our next one, we, we can start up with some, uh, with some osteoporosis and go from there.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, this was, it's a lot of information guys, but use this as a, uh, uh, as a, kind of a way to bridge some of these topics while you're not able to sit in front of a computer and learn this stuff. So to and from work, um, if you're crazy enough, you can listen to it at the gym. Uh, But (laughs) it's just uh, uh, this, this podcast should really function as kind of one asset of your entire, just kind of study curriculum. So again, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, if you guys see any glaring uh, kind of misinformation that we're putting out there. Again, we're trying to, to do the best that we can. But if you see something that you're like, hey, that's actually not correct, then uh, reach out to us and and we'll uh, do our best to uh, kind of change course and, and give you guys all the right information.
0: Perfect. And uh, we will see you all again for the next episode.